Hello, hello. I'm Mal, longtime Percy Jackson fan and Cerberus stan. And I'm Julie, first time Percy Jackson reader. This is Demigod Debut, a podcast where we get together once a week and talk about Julie's first time reading The Lightning Thief. The much anticipated chapter 18, Annabeth Does Obedience School. I'm very upset she does not turn into a beagle. Spoiler alert. Yeah. I really wanted her to. That'd be funny. That, on it, honestly, I kind of, it would have been really funny if you had just called that. You're like, this would be funny. And then it just happened. God, that'd be hilarious. Rip. It would have been good. So the last thing that had happened is they were in Krusty's waterbed palace. So. They find the lobby of DOA Recording Studios, Annabeth and Grover trying to encourage Percy and make him feel better, saying they're definitely going to find the bolt, they're going to save his mom, and Percy just kind of has a moment feeling really grateful for them because the besties are bestieing. And I just, I love this trio, they're very important to me, and there is nothing like the trauma bond of going on your first quest together. That's all I have to say about that. I hit the wrong thing. Mal, I need you to get it together. I need you to lock in. Yeah, because if I'm not locked in, who will be? Because you won't be. Exactly. I am not locked in. I rely on you to be locked in. No, it's the fact that I didn't go to work today that's throwing me way off. I'm like, I haven't been a person all day today. And so, so they go inside the lobby. There's a bunch of dead people there just kind of sitting and standing around silently. And Percy says if he looks at any of them for too long, they start to look transparent. There's a guy at the desk wearing a silk Italian suit with a black rose pinned to the lapel, and he's got some tortoiseshell shades. Sick as hell. Great outfit. Uh, Percy reads his name tag and asks if his name is Chiron. The man at the desk asks if he looks like a centaur and explains kind of condescendingly that his name is Charon, not Chiron. Karen? He's a Karen. He is a Karen. Um, This was actually foreshadowed in the second chapter when Percy is studying for his Latin test. And he's like, there's no way I can remember the difference between guys like Chiron and Charon. And I just think that's neat. Percy says they want to go to the underworld. And Charon's like, ah, refreshing. No one wants to go to the underworld. He asks how they died. And Percy says they drowned in the bathtub. Charon asks, all three of you must have been a big bathtub. Iconic line. Uh, He laments the fact that kids never die prepared and never have money to pay for passage, so they'll have to wait a few centuries. But Percy says, oh, we can pay, and shows him the drachmas. And this is how Charon puts it together, that they are demigods, because of the way Percy misread his name tag, and also the drachmas. He tells them, oh, you should go, but I'll keep the drachmas. And Percy says, "Mm, no service, no tip. And he's real for that. It's kind of the same way I feel when, you know, they turn around the little iPad to you and they want you to tip. Like, I'm sorry, you just handed me a croissant from the display case. And now I have to give you an extra dollar when my croissant was already like $6 because New York is a hellscape. And like, of course, I'm going to tip because I'm not a terrible person. And I know that service jobs are hard, but also it sucks. It sucks so much. (laughs) It sucks so much. And that's that's on tipping. I love starting tipping discourse. (laughs) You should tip because no one can afford to live on minimum wage, but also <laughs> I'm a teacher and I'm like also kind of broke. So I hate having to do it. Like really, really what needs to happen is employers need to pay their employees, but raise a minimum wage. Instead, they're putting it on us. They're putting it on us, the consumer. And I'm like, I'm just trying to get my $6 croissant. That's not even worth $6 because it's not even going to be that good. I want a croissant. I would, uh, I would really like a croissant as well. 
I'm going to tip, but I'm also going to complain about it. That's that's kind of where I'm sitting right now. You know what? That's fair. 15, well, it should be more than 15, but 15 is the basic. We haven't had a minimum wage raise, minimum wage raise in what, like 2009? Minimum wage is still like $7 in a lot of places. That's insane. Seven twenty-five. That's what it is in Pennsylvania, unless you're a contractor who works with the state, I think. That's insane. That's insane. Because you work for like five hours. You've made $35. Before tax. Ugh. Speaking of money, Percy gets a little bit manipulative again and says, it's a shame too, because we had more. And so he starts like playing in the drachmas like he's Scrooge McDuck. Um, He also says, I bet Hades doesn't pay you enough. And Charon starts complaining about the job and how he hasn't had a pay raise in 3,000 years. So us talking about raising the minimum wage was, in fact, thematically appropriate. I think Percy's going to try to unionize the underworld. And I'm here for it. Union drive. Um, No, that's literally what what I wrote. I wrote union representative Percy. (laughs) I wrote, I was like, wait, where did I write it? I said uh omg now he's going to unionize karen in the underworld we're on the same wavelength and we love to see it we love to see it yeah union representative percy is like you deserve better you deserve appreciation respect and better pay and as he's like saying each one he's stacking a drachma um and he offers to mention a pay raise when he talks to hades and it was really reminding me of you know that scene in shrek where he goes to talk to the fairy godmother and like gets her receptionist and is like oh we're from the workers union how are things and the guy at the desk is like they don't even we don't even have dental and shrek goes they don't even have dental to donkey like i think i don't i don't know why but i think about that all the time like think about they don't even have dental all the time um but that's that's what this was reminding me of because i really doubt that karen gets dental even i get dental yeah and you you don't get a lot at your job we both have dental but we don't use it as said like several episodes before oh no no i i think i need a root canal so i have to go oh no find a dentist who will then immediately take me because i'm having a ton of pain and i'm like this is great i love this for me that's horrible so yeah happy birthday to me you know yeah happy belated birthday by the way oh thanks Anyway, kind of wild that the one constant across universes is that workers are mistreated by their bosses and can be manipulated by the promise of better conditions. Okay, Karl Marx. <laughs> what a what a commentary on our society. Yeah. Anyway, it works because Caron agrees to bring them on this boat across the sticks and everything gets real creepy like Caron all of a sudden is in a black long robe and he's got empty sockets instead of eyes and they're on a wooden barge on an oily black river that's filled with pollution that Caron explains is hopes and dreams that humans have thrown in as they cross. And Annabeth grabs Percy's hand and he can't even be embarrassed about it because he knows that she just wants reassurance that someone else here is alive. And, you know, I just I just have to say, she could have grabbed Grover's hand. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting. Interesting. Um, they hear a howl and Caron says, bad luck, old Three-Face is hungry, and they head off into the underworld. The entrance looks like a cross between airport security and the Jersey Turnpike, and they can hear howling but can't see Cerberus, the three-headed dog who guards the gates. There are three lines, two that have an attendant, and one that's marked easy death, because we're really leaning into the driving highway metaphor here. And 
I know that like the toll tags in Texas are called easy tags and the ones in New York and New Jersey are easy passes. Like what what are they called in Pennsylvania? It's an easy pass. It's an easy pass? Okay. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, the easy death comes from the like easy pass. Mm-hmm. Easy tag. Yeah. I wonder if all the states have some sort of like easy something. I don't know. Probably. Yeah. Percy asks Annabeth what's going on. She says that the easy death line goes straight to Asphodel because some people don't want to risk judgment. And she explains that there are three judges that determine where a soul goes. People like King Minos, Thomas Jefferson, and Shakespeare. And I Thomas just, Jefferson! No, I know! Like, what makes any of these people qualified for this job? What makes any of them qualified? Th- Why Thomas Jefferson? Like... Like, because he wrote the Declaration of Independence? Or, like... What are we doing? Because he was a president? I don't know. Thomas Jefferson literally owned people. King Minos was sending young Athenians into the labyrinth to be eaten by the Minotaur. Like, why are these guys the, like, pinnacle of morality who we think should be able to judge souls? And also, like, I don't know anything about Shakespeare, but, like, I'm sure he did some things that were great. I mean... Let's be honest. His plays are okay. (laughs) His plays are okay. Shakespeare can stay, but he's on thin ice. The other two, I'm kind of like, mm-hmm. why? They should be. They should be in hell with everybody else. Exactly. Exactly. Like these are some people who deserve to be in the fields of punishment, and yet they're deciding who should be in the fields of punishment. Crazy. Just goes to show you how unfair the system is. Lots of lots of ways that we see how unfair the system is. You know. Though the, like, King Minos being a judge does happen in the myths, so there is some mythological basis behind there being shitty men in charge. But the Thomas Jefferson thing, what the hell? The Thomas Jefferson is just, like, an attempt, I guess, to modernize it and be like, hmm. I mean, I guess if you're choosing the most, like, King Minos-esque figure. I don't know. Thomas Jefferson works (laughs) from the more modern day. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Annabeth also explains that people who lived a good life are rewarded with a place in the fields of Elysium, a.k.a. like heaven of the underworld. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there are some accounts that say that only heroes and like people who die in battle get to go to Elysium. Um, But, you know, that also might just be carried like leftover from times when they use that as kind of propaganda to get men to go off to war. Like, ah, you get to go to the heaven of the underworld if you go fight in this war and die while you're off at war it's it's an interesting thing to consider because if you think like if you think of that for more than like two seconds it doesn't make a whole lot of sense like you can go off to war and be like a war hero who survives who then just like dies normally but because you didn't die in battle like you don't get to go to underworld heaven I just think it's a big plot by lesbians to get men to leave their wives so that they can take over. So true. That's what I'm choosing to believe. <laughs> the lesbians are like, hey guys, do you want to go to heaven? <laughs> go to war. Yeah, there's one way for you to go to heaven. Leave your wife behind in my very capable hands and go die. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I love it. I'm here for it. Annabeth also explains that most people end up in the fields of asphodel, which Grover describes as being like standing in a wheat field in Kansas forever. That like a purgatory type thing? Yeah. But honestly, if I'm not like conscious, 
that kind of sounds better. Like if, if I don't have to know any, like if I can just vibe, I don't have to know anything. I don't have to think like that doesn't sound bad. Also, like, do you know how much of my time I spend daydreaming and thinking up scenarios in my head? I can do that in a wheat field in Kansas. Absolutely. For sure. Like done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't sound that bad. No, could be worse. Could be worse. It, it could be. It could be because we also see the fields of punishment and they see this televangelist guy who was spending money that he raised on fancy stuff for himself and died in a police chase when his Lamborghini for the Lord went off a cliff. And so for people like that, Haiti sets up an eternal torture. Joel Olstein. It's also who I was thinking about um, because I am from the land of Joel Olstein. Like his his megachurch is in Houston, isn't it? Yeah, it's in Houston. Mm-hmm. So I'm very familiar with that man and the way that he did not open up his church when there was flooding for people to stay in it. But that's another, that's another thing. Anyway, I also think it's kind of funny how Percy asks, um, like, oh, if he's a pastor and he believes in a different kind of hell, and Grover's like, I don't know, people see what they want to see. So yeah, he might, he might see Christian hell. What's Christian? Nah, it doesn't matter. I, I don't know how Christian hell would differ from like underworld. Yeah. Like it's just kind of. A pit, like I remember in the Bible, it says like it's a place where there's like weeping and gnashing of teeth. Like that feels fields of punishment adjacent. I don't know. Yeah. So they get closer to the gates, and it's finally time for my boy Cerberus, one of, if not my number one favorite mythological creature, um, giant three-headed Rottweiler. And this this is where like the quest would end for me because I would absolutely get eaten by Cerberus because I'd be like, oh, a dog. <laughs> like all dogs deserve scratches even if they are giant underworld guardian three-headed dogs so true i stand by that even death dogs deserve scratches and so they have this like quote-unquote plan and percy tries to use a stick to play fetch but cerberus isn't all that into it so annabeth pulls out a red rubber ball that she got from waterland and you know as an adult thinking about this i'm like why would she have been carrying that around? Yeah. Why would she keep that? Unless she's just so far ahead that she'd already planned to use this ball with the dog. But it doesn't make sense why she wouldn't say that in the initial plan. Be like, oh, I've got this ball and I think that we could use this with the dog. Like it, mm-hmm. I don't know, something is weird there. But, you know, thank, thank God. Seems too convenient. It is It is a little convenient. There there are some things that are pretty convenient. There's another thing that I'm like, oh, this is mighty convenient um, towards the end here. But, you know, we'll, we'll take it because I really don't want to see these children die. So, yeah. Um, thank God for the stealing that Annabeth did. So she goes to Cerberus. She makes him sit. She throws him the ball. They play a little fetch and it gives Grover and Percy time to get through. She throws the ball one more time, catches up with them, and explains that, like, she knew what to do with this because she had a Doberman back at her dad's when she was younger. And it's, like, her having to leave this dog is written so sadly, and for what? Like, he whines, and he turns to look at them, and Annabeth says he's a good boy and promises to bring him another ball soon, but, like, why on earth Why is it so dramatic? Why would she make that promise, also? Like, she's not gonna come back and bring him another ball. Like, it was not easy for them to get to the underworld. Like, she would not do it again. She'd do it for a dog. I mean, yeah... She, she's like me in that way. I would be like, oh mm-hmm. my god, I'm coming back tomorrow to play with 
Underworld dog. And then Annabeth, she she does cry a little when she listens to like Cerberus howling, wishing for his new friend. And that this this is very me. Like my brothers taught our family dog to cry and like whine for scratches, and it, it works on me every time because I'm like, I don't <laughs> want her to be sad. She deserves scratches. Aww. So I'm weak. I'm weak. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's that's that chapter. No beagles. No beagles. Any other thoughts from you on this one? Before we get to the ones that are like relevant to the plot. Yeah. Um. One of my favorite lines. <laughs> the whole book was at the beginning of this chapter. Is <laughs> like when Karen. I'm gonna call him Karen. The okay. Yeah. Karen. Karen. He's asking Percy, are you dyslexic? And Percy's like, no, I'm dead. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's the good one. I was like, that is such a great line. And I'm also noticing that I spelled dyslexic wrong in my notes. So I'm like, on brand. On brand. (laughs) Also, I was just, I I don't think we will. But if we were, because I wrote these uh, contemporaneously. Um, while I was reading this morning, if we get a tragic backstory with Annabeth and her Doberman, I will cry. I cannot handle the sad dog story. So, yeah, I'm like, if that dog dies, I'm ending it all. Like, I'm setting the book on fire. That's what I'm doing. A little bit of like an old yeller moment. Yeah. She actually ran away because her dad had to shoot the dog. Oh my god. So what happens in old yeller? I've never seen old yeller. That would be horrible. I don't know. I just I just know they kill the dog in old yeller. Yeah. I'm pretty sure in old yeller they kill the dog at the end, yeah. I'm not strong enough to watch old yeller. I I don't think I I can handle it. Nineteen. We find out the truth. Sort of. So I I think a lot about this description of Asphodel anytime it's mentioned, like Percy describes it as a big concert, but something has something terrible has happened backstage and like the concert's never going to start. So it's just a bunch of people like milling around. And so for a long time as a kid, I just visualized it as like a big concert, like in an open field with like a stage and everything, but like everything is just black. The and Central then Park was... concert, the ill-fated Central yes, Park Yes, yes, the ill-fated Central Park concert we were at. Yes. Um, yeah, the one that... It started pouring, and I still have pictures of us, like, drenched. That was... It started out so promising. I know, that was... It was, like, such a fun concert. It was the, like, it's the end of COVID, which it's it's still not the yeah. end of COVID, but, like, the end of COVID concert. There were, like, all sorts of people at that concert performing, and the weather was really nice, and then all of a sudden it was, like... And, like, it, it, the rain came out of nowhere. It just, like, all of a sudden was pouring. It did it did come down very quickly, like all like yeah. Yeah, it was like like it wasn't raining and then all of a sudden it was pouring. Good times. I forgot about that. But yes, it, it's very much a that kind of vibe, like a big open field concert. Um, but it wasn't until I was older that I like read back it through this and I was like, oh, it's not actually a concert, it's just a metaphor. Like there's not yeah. actually a stage. <laughs> um, for a while for a while my my mental picture of asphodel was like there was a stage but just nothing was happening on stage mm-hmm. there's also just there's there's a lot of comments about the spirits in the fields of asphodel and the way they like come up to them and then kind of chatter at them and then whenever they realize that they can't understand them they'll like kind of float away and percy says the dead aren't scary they're just kind of sad 
So yeah, they pass the fields of punishment and they can see people who are being chased by hellhounds, burned at the stake, forced to run naked through cactus patches or listen to opera music. And Percy said there's also like worse things happening. And he also sees Sisyphus, who is this guy who cheated death and now has to roll a boulder up a hill forever in punishment. What do you think right now, if you were to die and like you went to the fields of punishment, what do you think your field of punishment punishment would be? I'm not going to the field of punishments. I'm a great person. <laughs> what kind of question is that? Are you assuming I'm going well, to no. hell? What the hell, Mal? No, I just, well, no, because I was. <laughs> what kind of question is that? Well, I'm going to hell because I'm gay, so. <laughs> you're like, you're definitely going to hell. Jeez. No, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. I was just thinking about, like, the opera music being, like, a weirdly... That was funny. When I read that, I was like, what the hell? Like, it's very much a, this book is geared towards middle school kind of joke that, like, ah, what's the worst thing we can think of? Opera music? Ah." Opera music. They would force me to um, to watch Tucker Carlson (laughs) on a loop or something. That would be... Yeah, that would be pretty bad. That would be bad. Or hanging out with my grandparents. That could be one. Hanging out with your grandparents without being able to start a fight. Yeah. Yeah, so I think mine would be in a very crowded subway car where I feel like there's, like, people around me, like, touching me on all sides. And we're stuck in between stations, so, like, you don't have cell phone service. Ooh. And they just, like, keep coming on the garbled speakers, telling you things you that, like, hear. don't, like, you can't, you can't make out. And, like, I think it would just be that forever. And... That that's my that would be my idea of torture because it sucks. That's that's no, that's mine. a good one. Yeah, we also see Elysium, which is full of houses, and Percy can smell barbecue cooking. And here I am back on my bullshit because what is with Rick Riordan and all of the barbecue? Like anytime there is food, it is barbecue. Like, sir, your Texas is showing. Barbecue sounds so good right now. But like, what? Don't say northern barbecue. Also... Don't do it. <laughs> I, won't, I won't I won't I won't I won't but like what would be like I don't I don't know is there a I, gu- I guess it's the best kind of food for the situation like if you're having an outside picnic like it would be barbecue like barbecue makes sense for the context I guess but I'm like another barbecue mention there are other kinds of food yeah like give us something like uh I don't know what else is like a garlic bread or something Mm-hmm. Ooh, pasta with garlic bread. That's what's actually Elysium is just all I can eat pasta all the time. Ugh, with cheesy garlic bread. With cheesy garlic bread. God, that sounds so good right now. Yeah, that sounds delicious. So in Elysium, there's an island in the middle that looks like a vacation resort for people who have been reborn three times and achieved Elysium three times. That's called the Isles of the Blessed. And Percy decides that's where he wants to go when he dies. And I really want to know more about the Isles of the Blessed. Like, I think it would be really cool to read a story that's, like, about a person's three different, like, lives that they use to, like, qualify for the Isles of the Blessed and, like, the three different. Mm -hmm. But I, I also, like, wonder, like, what happens if you have, like, the love of your life in your first life and then you're reborn two times and then you like get married again in the other two lives and like what what happened yeah like what if the like love of your life from your first life doesn't 
like make it to the Isles of the Blessed? Like you just never see them again? Like, do, and do you get to remember all three of your lives? Like when you're there? Like, I have I have a lot of I have a lot of questions about the rules of the Isles of the Blessed. Yeah. What are the rules? Yeah, I just I wanna I wanna know the rules. I wanna know the rules. The fun the fun part. Um, right after they walk by. The Isles of the Blessed, Grover's shoes start going haywire and dragging him across the underworld, and Percy and Annabeth are, like, chasing after. He tries to slow himself down or get the shoes off, but he can't reach the laces, and there's, like, nothing to grab onto because it's gravel, and Percy realizes, oh, he's headed right for the pit. And thank God for hooves, because Grover hits a rock and, like, one of the shoes flies off, and that slows him down enough for Annabeth and Percy to grab him, and so the other shoe comes off, and both shoes in the pit. And... And who... Who gave Percy the shoes? Do you remember who did that? I, just I don't recall. Just just wondering. Just I don't I don't recall. No, no, you don't. Do I need to refresh um, your memory? No, but I, I have to say, I have to say, I was so pissed a couple weeks ago when you were like, I think the shoes are tampered with. I I texted several people after that. I was like, she guessed it, she guessed about the shoes. I was so mad. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> like, how dare you? How dare you be an adult with adult reading comprehension skills mm-hmm. who can, like, pick up on hints that I didn't pick up on when I was 11? Because, like, this shook me to my core at 11. I was like, what's happening with the shoes? Yeah. <laughs> I also, There's like... little hints, yeah. I also, like, didn't even suspect, like, where the shoes came from. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, wasn't, I wasn't like, oh, interesting. Like, maybe we should suspect the person that gave him the shoes. I, I was just like, oh, my God, this is crazy. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, why does the pit want his shoes? I love it. It's, you know how, like, sometimes when you're trying, you're, like, reading so fast that you're not really absorbing. Like, you're just so excited to be reading whatever you're reading that you don't really absorb what you're reading. It's like, that's how, yeah, I was like, that's how I would read it as a kid. And so I'd have to go back. Me always. Heaven. I'm an adult, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it'll still happen, but you can recognize, like, yeah, now as an better. adult, I can, like, focus a little bit better. A lot of times in, like, a suspenseful scene, especially, I, like, will skip ahead to, like, make sure everything's okay. Yes. Yes. I'm like, I need to know how this ends before I yeah. continue. Re- it's like, I do this with movies, like, old movies. Like, I'll be, like, watching, and I was like, okay, I need to read the plot on Wikipedia so I know what happens. And then I'm good, but I, I'm still gonna watch it. But I need to know. What yeah, I'm like, is everything okay? Yeah, sometimes I also need to know what happens. Oh, I even wrote. I even wrote my notes. I knew the shoes were a trap. I wrote that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting that the shoes are a trap. <laughs> so Percy feels really exhausted after this little adventure, and he notes that the backpack feels heavier, like it's been filled with rocks, and hmm. Maybe you should open the backpack. Um, they realize that this pit is the entrance to Tartarus, and they kind of hear a voice. Sounds like it's doing some sort of spell, and so they get the hell out of there. The pit tries to suck them back in, um, but it doesn't manage to, and Percy looks at Annabeth and can tell that she's got an idea, but she's too scared to share it, and that really freaks him out. They're all pretty shaken up, and Percy notes that whatever's in the pit is unspeakably old and powerful. Any thoughts on the pit? So Tartarus, that's what it's called, right? Is that what the pit is called? Yes. That's where all the titans are held, right? Yes. In prison. 
So I think, this is getting into my predictions, I think one of the Titans had, well, I don't want to skip to, I had to. Okay, okay, you want, if you want to save your, you want to save? Uh, chapter okay. 20, but I have, I have thoughts. I, I do have thoughts. And I do okay. have one more thought before we end okay. the chapter, but it can wait if you have more to oh. add. Well, if you have a thought that's relevant to this. Yeah, so I think it, I I'm think it's come up before. Um, Just <laughs> the symbolism of some of the guards in the underworld, like in um being like British and American soldiers. <laughs> I thought it was fucking hilarious. I was like, yeah, no, that that tracks like i was like everything i know about british and u.s military history yep that checks yep feels right mm -hmm. feels correct it's a powerful moment of symbolism right there especially this was written 2005 um sure was was that after abu Ghraib? let's see abu Ghraib prison yep 2004 scandal so yep that was after written after the uh Abu Ghraib scandal. For those who don't know, it's a prison in Iraq where U.S. soldiers uh, tortured detainees. And yes, it was a huge scandal, which I don't think anyone was actually ever prosecuted for. Or not really. Maybe one or two people. But um, happened nice. in 2004. And guess what? Bush still won re-election. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> American politics. Yeah. Anyway. That's what I'm here for. That's what I bring to the table. That's that's what you bring to the table, and it's excellent every time. Yeah, so they walk right into Hades' palace, past the military guards, past Persephone's garden. Um, they do kind of want to eat the fruit, but Percy remembers that that's how Persephone got trapped, and so they keep moving. And Percy says his backpack weighs a ton. Like, he's really just calling attention to the backpack over and over, and I'm like, Percy has opened the backpack, open the backpack. Yeah. Nobody stops them from going in until they find themselves face-to-face -face with your man, Hades. My boy. The love of my life. Ugh. Mom boss Hades. He doesn't sound as hot as Hades town Hades. He's described as being 10 feet tall, radiating power, sitting on a throne made of bones. Real badass. Uh, he also says his robes look to be made of souls stitched together, and Percy wonders what kind of horrible things you'd have to do in life to become a part of Hades' underwear. Percy says he reminds him of Hitler or other terrorist leaders because of this mesmerizing evil charisma that he has. I just want to know what he means by terrorist leaders. Like, what are we... What are we... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just wondering. Who, who, who are we referencing there? Hades tells Percy he's brave to have come, or maybe he's just very foolish, and Percy's like, hey, a war between the gods would be really bad, so maybe you should return the bolt. And Hades is like, I don't want a war either, and starts talking about the struggles of running the underworld and, like, how expensive it's been and how much expanding he's had to do. And so, of course, this is when Percy blurts out, like, Charon wants a pay raise. <laughs> and not the move. Not no. the move. But also, good on union representative Percy for, like, yes, his promise. He's fighting for his workers. Yeah. This was very Hades town to me. Like anytime we're gonna paint Hades as like the sort of suffering, like mm -hmm. overlord of this kind of factory or whatever sort of metaphor that you're using of the underworld. Um, like he's just doing his best to keep things running and like Yeah. I am a Hades apologist, a hundred percent. Unless he looks like Hitler. I'm not gonna 
I hate that. Uh, but I'm going to pretend that it's Hades Town Hades because that man is gorgeous. Uh, so Percy's really confused and it's like, you didn't steal the bolt? And Hades is like, no, you stole the bolt and you stole my helm. And Annabeth's like, um, what? The helm is missing too? And Hades asks if they've come here to threaten him and if Poseidon thinks he can be blackmailed. And Hades threatens to stop death and allow the dead back onto Earth with, with Percy's skeleton leading them if his helm is not returned. It's a good threat. It's a great threat, even. That's a great threat. Yeah, that's quite the threat. Also, wait, wait. Aren't these gods supposed to be, like, all-knowing or something? Like, they should know that Percy didn't steal it. They're not. They're not all-knowing. They're all, but uh, they're all powerful, but they're not all-knowing. Yeah. But they're also not all-powerful because they have, like, very specific things that they have powers over. like Realms? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm like not impressed by these gods. I'm really not. No, and I'm not either. Mark that down. Mark that down. Julie, not impressed. <laughs> Julie, not impressed with the gods. Try harder. Percy is like, okay, I should have been scared, but really I was just mad because I hate being accused of things I didn't do. Same, but also I would be terrified. Like I have this recurring nightmare that I am accused of a crime that I didn't commit and I have to like go to court and they just like keep presenting evidence that's like not real. But then I end up getting like convicted for this crime that I didn't do. You should read The Trial. What is that? By Kafka. You should read that book. I think you would like it. But I think it would, it might exacerbate your your nightmare, honestly. Oh God. Well, because I'm like, okay, if I, if I did the crime, whatever, like, okay that's that's not the part that's scary it's like not being able to defend myself wrongfully accused yeah let's get you a lawyer yeah i'm just gonna keep a lawyer like ready to go on retainer yeah just in case i get like accused of a crime that i didn't commit and i need to prove my innocence like i know the like like innocent until proven guilty or whatever but i don't this is america let's be honest it's guilty until proven innocent yeah i don't know why that's a specific hang-up i have maybe because I feel like I'm pretty decent at getting myself out of trouble. Like there, there are some some mischievous things that I did back in my like middle high school days mm -hmm. that I didn't get in trouble for because I was able to be like like I just made a mistake and like oh I didn't mean to I didn't know that this was gonna happen. I'm being intentionally vague because I don't want to admit to a crime, um, such as pulling the fire alarm. I, I don't know maybe maybe it's just like the the fear of not being able to do that like not being able to try to talk myself out maybe that's mm -hmm. what's getting me I don't know I don't know I, I think we gotta psychoanalyze this a bit more we'll go into dream I love good dream analysis yeah what does it mean what does it mean that more than once I yeah. had a dream and what's what does it mean that I had a dream uh two nights ago that I was kidnapped huh I don't know we're gonna have to revisit this we were talking about the children confronting Hades. Yes, we were. Yeah. So Hades says, you already had the bolt and you came here to threaten me. And he tells Percy to open his backpack. And lo and behold, there she is. Percy has the bolt. It's like that scene in Happiest Season. Do you remember that Kristen Stewart movie where like those kids went and they're at the mall. So she's with like her sister or her girlfriend's niece and nephew and they stick that diamond necklace or whatever in her bag and she's like what i didn't steal this yes oh. i love kristen stewart so much yes yes i i didn't remember that until you said that so hades says well 
since it's here, you might as well give it to me so I can use it as a bargaining chip. And Percy very quickly puts the pieces together and is like, oh, Hades isn't the bad guy here. Someone else is trying to get Hades, Zeus, and Poseidon to fight. And I gotta ask, at what point as an adult did you start to put the pieces together? Because me as a child, I didn't know anything until Percy, like, told me who was doing this. and like No, it was just about this time when I realized when Hades was like, no, we stole two things or something or whatever. Two things are missing. When was that? Was that last? Yeah, that was like just a second ago. Well, wasn't it last week where they mentioned two things were missing? Was that last week? I feel like it was, I feel like there was a little hint of it before. Oh, there was, there was a little hint of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, because in, in the dream, the pit voice was like, I need both things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, And then here's when I really realized that Hades wasn't behind it and that my prediction comes into stuff, but my probably really stupid prediction, but we'll see. But yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear you. I'm excited to hear. Hades kind of shows Percy's mom. She's like golden and whatever looking just like she did when she disappeared. And he says, return my helm and mm-hmm. I'll return your mother. And Percy remembers. Wait, I just realized something. What? Was it a boar <laughs> that attacked him that killed or kind of killed his mom? Was it a boar? It was it was the Minotaur. Half man, half bull. Minotaur. Okay, never mind. Keep going. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that would have been it. That would have been a good, yeah, <laughs> good connection. Percy remembers that he has uh, the pearls, and thinks that he can save his mom. But Hades tells him, "Oh no, each one only saves one person." Which, I mean, I think you clocked last week when you were like, "Oh, he's gonna either like he's not gonna be able to save his mom because he's gonna have to take his friends." Um, and both Annabeth and Grover offer to stay. Grover says he can't die. He'll great friends, he'll, very good friends. Grover says he can't die. He'll just be reincarnated into something else in nature, like a flower. Annabeth says she intends to go down fighting, and so she can stay. And then Percy's like, I would stay too, but I know my mom would never forgive me. And Percy won't leave either of them because they're besties. They are the trio of all time. Ride or die. Ride or die. Ride or die. And he thinks about how he's been so scared that one of them is going to betray him, but they've done nothing but save him over and over and now they're fighting over who's going to sacrifice himself for his mom. And he just knows they got to get out th- out of there. They got to finish this quest. And so he gives them each a pearl. And he's like, we're going to stop this war. Hopefully we'll find the helm and we can still get my mom back. And so they smash the pearls. They're in these bubbles that take them up and out of the underworld. And there is a reference to like Hades' anger at them leaving, causing an earthquake in LA. Um, I did appreciate that. I think I thought that was kind of funny um as someone who regularly gets texts from a friend who lives in la like oh earthquake woke me up at 3 a.m la seems terrible why would you live there terrible infrastructure always waiting for the big one gavin newsom like uh no thanks yeah we didn't even we didn't even talk about percy's take on la last time because he talked about he's like new york at least makes sense like the subway makes sense the streets make sense he's like la is just like big and chaotic and like it has to prove that it's big by being loud mm-hmm. and like yeah um he's he's real for that i'd love to go hiking in la though yeah and like that canyon or whatever that everybody goes to i don't know if it's a canyon but i everybody's always hiking there and it's i'm like i, I want to do that we should visit la just to go hiking we should visit la fun. just to be haters <laughs> just to be hate we'll be like new york city is so much new better. York is better thank you thanks sorry 
All right, so they end up back in Santa Monica. That's where the bubbles take them. And they land there. There is a great white shark nearby. There is also a surfer who, like, falls off his board and then, like, screams something about bad mushrooms and swims away. Interesting reference to drugs in this children's book. Yeah. Uh, But Percy tells the great white shark to scram, which is, like, cool power to have. And they find out that it's June 21st, the morning of the solstice, and Percy sees that L.A. is on fire and thinks that Hades is probably sending an army of the dead after him, but that isn't his biggest problem right now. And he plans to return the bolt as well as have a serious conversation with the god who tricked him. And so that's the end of chapter 19. Did you have anything else on chapter 20? Chapter 19, you mean? Chapter 19, sorry. Yes. Um, One thing. I don't know why I didn't mention this earlier. They mentioned like the pop poplar trees in the the fields of asphodel i looked it up um and they represent a source of life in a desiccated landscape interesting so i thought that was very i was like huh i like the symbolism there huh like these little flowering trees yeah that's a, that is a good bit of symbolism yeah. i didn't know i didn't know that wow see i can bring stuff to this podcast too not just 9-11 references <laughs> no you do you do she can talk about plants, and she can talk about the Iraq War. I, it's the duality of man. The duality of you. Chapter 20, I Battle My Jerk Relative. A good one. You know I love an action scene. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> this one I actually do like, because it's iconic, but... This is good. This is good. Yeah. I probably didn't summarize it well, but I never really know how to summarize it, but... First things first, they get picked up by the Coast Guard, and Percy kind of turns off his staying dry powers, so he's wet and he gives grover his shoes so that the coast guard doesn't have to wonder why one of them has hooves and because this is a children's book percy kind of walks us back through everything he's like someone stole the helm and the bolt and framed percy so that both zeus and hades would blame poseidon and get a nice three-way war going and to quote the musical who wins if the gods go to war Ares, the god of war and this this is another prediction you made that made me so mad um because when you were we were going back through the prophecy last time and I was like, oh, the God who has turned. You were like, Aries, because that's the one that they've met. I don't know. It's a lazy prediction. And I was like, mm, sure thing. Sure is. It's so funny. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't even react to it in the moment because I was so like, what? Oh, man. That's funny. Whoops. It's critical thinking skills of a 26-year-old reading this versus a 12-year-old yeah. reading this. How does it how does it feel to be right? <laughs> I'm always right. Yeah. I hate it here. <laughs> yeah, because my, my 11 year old self was like real like Shook. the reason that the foreshadowing is so apparent is because when you are eleven, like you don't pick up on yeah. things. And so it's like still a surprise to you, but then you can like look back as an eleven year old and be like, Oh, here's all the things. And, like you just don't appreciate like Right. Yeah. But then as an adult, you're like, Okay, wow, we're really <laughs> Laying it on heavy here. We're really hammering this, you know. We're really, really we're doing this. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Ares is there. He says, hey, kid, you were supposed to die. And Ares says he didn't steal the belt, the bolt and the helm directly because gods can't steal each other's symbols of power. And Percy asks if Clarice is the one who did it. And he says it doesn't matter. Ares said he needs Hades to kill Percy. So Poseidon would be mad at him. And then they could get a nice fight going and he explains that the backpack is kind of like percy's sword that always returns to his pocket and like 
he set it up so that the bolt would return to it when he got to the underworld. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Percy does ask, well, why didn't you just keep the bolt? And Ares kind of has a moment where he's like, yeah, why didn't I? And then he kind of has a moment where, like, he's listening he's to He's listening to voices. The voices. The voices are speaking to Ares. And then he's like, oh, I didn't want that kind of trouble. That's why. And Percy's like, you're lying. Like, you're you're not the brains behind this whole plan. And Ares is like, I'm the god of war. I don't have dreams and I don't take orders from anyone. And, like, who said anything about yeah. dreams? You did, Ares. You're the one that brought it up. Ares says, unfortunately, you can't live because no one can find out about this. And so he sends a boar after Percy. Percy makes, like, one swipe at it with a sword and then he just has a wave, like, come and take it away. Yeah. And he's like, fight me yourself. Ares like, you're not even on my level. And he, like, threatens him. He starts threatening to turn him into something. And Percy's like, yeah, a cockroach or a tapeworm or whatever. But that would save you from getting, like, your butt kicked, wouldn't it? He's such a trash talker. I love it so much. He is. He is such a trash talker. Like, he can talk his way out of fights Mm -hmm. as seen with, like, Krusty. He's like, I know I can't beat him by force. Mm -hmm. So I can talk my way out of this fight and like manipulate. He's like, but I can also talk my way into a fight. Like I know what buttons to push to get you to fight Mm -hmm. me. So he kind of sets the terms of this fight. Like if Percy loses, Ares gets to turn him into whatever he wants. But if Percy wins, Ares has to give him the bolt and the helm and Mm -hmm. go away. Annabeth gives him her necklace for luck, which is an excellent little moment. She's like reconciliation, Athena and Poseidon together. And then Grover gives him a tin can from his pocket, which... I don't know that we really needed that, but thank you for being here, Grover. Yeah. Like, he's just trying to support his friend. Like, here's this necklace that's really meaningful to me, and it's... Um, one of my most treasured possessions. Like, one of my treasured possessions. It's kind of a... You wearing this is like a manifestation of this conversation we had earlier about how our parents don't get along, and like, we're really... I don't, I don't know. This is like yeah. a manifestation of like us finally getting along. I don't know. Um, and then Grover is giving us garbage. That he would eat. Like, he would eat the tin can. Like, it's like a snack. Yeah, so Grover's snack. just, like, giving Percy yeah. a little snack if you get hungry during your Aries fight. It's like orange slices after a soccer game, the kid's soccer game. Like, that's what it is. So Annabeth provides the jewelry. Grover provides <laughs> the snack for after the fight. Yeah, exactly. I love it. And so we have an action scene again here. Your favorite. And it it is but it is an iconic action scene because you have a 12 year old 1v1 with the god of war like that's iconic iconic and percy's really thinking through all of his moves and he remembers like things that luke taught him like when you have a shorter sword you got to get in close and the cops show up and they recognize percy they're like is that the kid from the news it is and percy's kind of aware of everything that's going on he's like grover and annabeth are here and like these are all the things that are happening um but really Ares is just a dumbass for fighting the son of the sea god on the beach. Yeah, you gotta get away from water, man. Because Percy just, like, makes a giant wave and, which kind of, like, catches Ares off guard, and then before he has a chance to do anything, Percy, like, stabs him in the heel. That's all I've got on the action scene, really. Is there anything else in it? I mean, it was a a sword fight. I don't really know how to... Yeah, no, that pretty much sums it up. A 12-year-old fighting this big god. And, like, it's I like the part where it was like, I guess it looked like they were fighting with guns or something. Because then the cops are like, put the oh, guns yeah. down. And I was like, if that was real, like real life, they would have just shot both of them. Or tried to shoot, I guess, Ares. It probably would have killed Percy, right? If they shot him. Yeah, could have killed but, Percy. Yeah. But no cops. Not Ares. They shoot first, ask questions later. I mean, 
thank goodness they didn't just open fire because yeah yeah but but also they might not have had time to shoot because Ares is like this is a personal matter get out of here and then like <laughs> yeah and then they like blow up the cars, blows up the cars like, yeah. Like, yeah yeah that. Ares said a cab <laughs> <laughs> but honestly I don't know that Ares would say a cab <laughs> no he would he wouldn't I feel like he'd be very much thin blue line blue lives matter feels, yeah feels right yeah. yeah, so after Ares gets stabbed, it's really the, the rules of this fight were not well established. Like, Mm-mm. were we fighting to the death? Were we fighting to, like, first blood? Like, what, what yeah. were we fighting to? Because Ares... Ares wanted to kill him. Yeah, Ares is, like, absolutely about to vaporize him, but then he doesn't because there's kind of this like dark shadow that mm-hmm. passes over everything and then Ares stops and just tells Percy that he's made an enemy for life and the next time he raises his sword in battle and like really really hopes for success he will feel Ares's curse and then he reveals his true immortal form and they all have to look away so they don't get vaporized that's Ares fight we just love how you describe action scenes <laughs> like I want you to like describe like the plot of like a Jason Bourne movie I think that would be funny. I I don't think I would describe it well. <laughs> the good the good news is like most of the action scenes are short. They're very they're very short. Yeah, like, you don't have to read pages on pages of like action and fighting. I guess that's a good it, thing. I love an action. I know action you love an action scene. scene. It's a good thing for me because I'm yeah. here for the I'm here for the plot. I'm here for the besties. I'm here for yeah. So when Ares disappears. He does leave the helm behind. So now they have the bolt and the helm. And he's left. So a win. Win, win, win. Win, win, win. And Furies show up and they take the helm and they tell Percy, like, go be a hero because things will not go well for him if he comes into their clutches again. Grover says that the dark presence must have been the Furies, but Percy kind of looks at Annabeth and realizes that they both have put together that, like, that was the same as the figure that's been in his dreams and has been in the pit. Um, Percy says they have to get back to New York and Annabeth says that's impossible unless you fly, which you've been warned not to do or Zeus will blast you out of the sky. And also you'd be doing it carrying a weapon more with more destructive power than a nuclear bomb. And Percy's like, "Uh uh-huh. Yep. Gotta go. What about a hydrogen bomb? Yeah. And I mean, that's the end of this chapter. So we're gonna fly back to New York. Yeah. We're gonna tie up all the loose ends and we're gonna be done with the book in two more chapters, which is crazy. How you feeling? It is crazy. I'm excited to see how they get to the top of the Empire State Building with all of that stuff. And I'm excited to finish this children's book so I can read adult literature. <laughs> yeah, so this is not your your typical your typical read. It's not. It is a nice break from like the manufacturing consent type things. I will say that. It's a nice like like when you read fan fiction mm-hmm. like you don't it's just like a nice yeah light it's thing. nice it's easy it's light it's and it's also like it's not depressing you know yeah yeah all right so predictions and thoughts going into the final the final two so he says i battle my jerk relative so is aries like his uncle like is aries related to him how is that aries is aries is his cousin, his cousin. I need like a I need like a genealogy tree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in in the gods family tree, like Zeus Zeus and Poseidon are brothers. And so Ares okay. is a son of Zeus. So Zeus is his uncle? Technically? Yeah. Oh. 
Zeus is okay. his uncle. Wait, 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 wait. Does this mean that Annabeth and Percy are technically related? <laughs> technically. Technically. Is this, is this the question you've been avoiding thinking about? You're like, I'm not thinking about <laughs> it. I don't want to think about it. Um, but they're technically related, aren't they? So here's the part of the podcast where Mallory defends incest. Here we go. Oh, God. Podcast title, Mallory defends incest. No one would listen to it. Well, okay, so it's it's explained later. The way that we get around it is by saying that kind of the godly side of things doesn't really count. Okay. They're like, because the gods don't have, like, DNA that they pass on to their children. Mm, I don't I don't think that's true. Yeah, it's kind of, it. it is kind of something that you have to not think about um so you're glad i'm making you think about it right now right you just have to kind of go "Mm, yeah yeah we're just gonna pretend that that's not true right where the hell were we predictions yes predictions yes i think we're going back to tartarus tartar sauce going back to tartar sauce Uh, sauce. in honor of lent fish right yes Um, fish that, that there's an excellent joke in the musical after the shoes Mm-hmm. go into the pit where Annabeth goes I think this pit is Tartarus and Percy goes like the fish sauce <laughs> so Tartarus is where all the titans are imprisoned after they tried to kill their father right yes I think one of them is telling Ares what to do from the pit and because he wants to start a fight with in between the gods as revenge for being imprisoned. And I'm going to guess it's Cronus because he's like the famous one. So I think Cronus is trying to stir up all this shit. An interesting prediction. That's my prediction. It's an interesting prediction. That's that's my prediction. My other prediction is that I still think Luke is the friend betrayal. Right. And he's still a piece of shit. And then I have some chapter title thoughts, but not many because these chapter titles felt like he was phoning it in. At the yeah, end the these these chapter titles, not the best. Not the best. Yeah, because we've got 21, I settle like, my tab. Like, I guess, like, he completes the quest to return Zeus's bolt. That's what I got. Like, he, he returns it. Or he just goes to a bar and pays the tab. He could do that as well. And then 22, the prophecy comes true. Hmm, I wonder what that could mean. I'm going to say he can't save his mom, and Luke is, again, POS. All right. So I look forward to finishing this and finding out that I am correct, as always. <laughs> could be. Could not be. I don't know. I'm not I could it. look it up. I could. Do you know how many times I've thought about it? I'm like, you know what? I could easily just look. You're like, I could make really good predictions. If I- yeah, I could make great predictions if I just looked this up right now. And I was like... That is so disingenuous. Like, I would feel very bad doing that. But I was like, I could. You could. If you start making I predictions that are up. too good, though. But I won't. I'm going to be like, hmm. You're going to be like, Julie, you fraud. Yeah. So, delightful. We will finish the book next time, chapters 21 and 22, and talk about, like, overall thoughts. Yes. Um, I will also finally get to talk about a couple of things that I have been wanting to talk about. Um, that I can't until you have read this whole book. But spoilers, yeah. Exciting, We're exciting stuff. There. We are almost there. Truly wild.
Hey, hey, thanks for listening. If you want more of our unhinged selves, you can find us on Instagram, the social media formerly known as Twitter, and now TikTok at at DemigodDebutPod. Um, you'll find me there posting memes and other fun little things while Julie avoids social media because spoilers. You can also email us at DemigodDebut at gmail.com. Catch you later. Bye! Thank you.